a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Where's the music? But stories. We're going to be talking about stories today. And we all love a good story, don't we? Whether it's Star Wars or whether it's a, a, a James Bond movie or, or The Hunger Games or for the kids and the family, Frozen or The Lord of the Rings or a movie came out this weekend, Insurgent. Anybody see that movie this weekend? Maybe a few of you have. There was Insurgent and there was Divergent. And the third movie is a cleaner movie. It's called Detergent. And even on TV, you've got shows like CSI or NCIS. But behind every good movie, behind every good television show, there's always a good story, right? It's the story that actually makes the movie interesting and entertaining. Now, our family likes to watch TV every once in a while. We have kind of our favorite shows, and we watch some things in our house like, uh, like Resurrection or Once Upon a Time. And they keep messing me up with all those fairy tales because on Once Upon a Time, they, all these characters have different characters. But there's a scorpion and arrow, and they're now with uh, Debbie's parents here with us. They come and visit us from time to time. We watch TFC. Does anyone know what TFC is? No? I knew you would say that, Daniel. No, what's TFC? The Filipino Channel. The Filipino Channel. How many of you watch Korean dramas on TV? Oh, same people that watch the Filipino Channel. Well, you know, this is week three of our church-wide campaign, and it's entitled Just Walk Across the Room. That's why we have this set here. It's a set of like a living room. And as we continue in our series today, we're going to look at, and this is our, our theme and our topic today, it's the power of story. The power of story. And we're going to talk about our own stories. Because all of you have a story. Whether you realize it or not, you all have a story. So we're going to talk about your own story, and then we're going to talk about God's story as well. And God's story is the greatest story ever told. And so right off the bat, I want you, even as we begin right now, I want you to start thinking in your mind, thinking about your story. And not necessarily about your history and the dates and all the times and places, but I want you to think about your story in terms of what does God mean to you? And how has he worked in your life? Because there is a story there. And each and every one of our lives. So start thinking about your story and how God has intervened in your life and perhaps has changed the storyline. Or perhaps you want him to come into your life and to change the storyline so that there's a better ending to the story. But think about that as we continue on. But like I said, we're in week three of our, our series and let's do a quick review of the last couple of weeks. You know, two weeks ago, Thomas spoke about the single greatest gift. And this is what Thomas said, and you can see it up here. He said, the single greatest gift that Christ followers can give to the people around them is an introduction to the God who created them, who loves them, and who has a purpose for their life. 
And this is exactly what evangelism is, and this is what we're talking about. It's constantly watching for ways to give that gift to someone who is living far away from God. You know, Jesus issued his followers the Great Commission after he died and rose from the dead, and as he was just before he ascended into heaven. He said this to his disciples 2,000 years ago, and it's recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. And he not only spoke to his disciples, but he spoke to his followers today, to you and to me. And he says, and he tells us the same thing. He says, go. He says, go. He says, get out of here. He says, get on this motorcycle and get out of this place. You're probably wondering why the motorcycle is there. Well, you know, we're talking about stories. There's a story behind that, too. And if you want to know the story, just talk to this gentleman down here. His name's Wade Brown, and he'll tell you a story about that motorcycle later on. But Jesus said, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And the operative word in that verse is the word go. It's an action word. It's a verb. It's an action verb. It means don't just stay seated there in your place of comfort, but he says to go. He says just walk across the room. And that's what we're talking about. And so Thomas talked about, and we're gonna bring the board out here, and some of you may remember this from a couple of weeks ago about how we need to get out of our circle of comfort, our comfort zone, and we all are in our own comfort zone. But we need to be willing to enter the zone of the unknown, to reach out to that person who perhaps we don't know, but perhaps perhaps they're hurting, perhaps they're suffering, perhaps they're very, very far away from God. And we need to go out and go into the zone of the unknown. And so we learned about that a couple of weeks ago. And that we learned that we needed to listen to the Spirit's prompting. It's important. We don't do this kind of evangelistic work on our own. There are no lone rangers. We do it in concert with the Holy Spirit. So our own spirits need to be in tune with His Spirit. And we just need to walk. And it's encouraging to hear news from some of our our Ohana groups that have been meeting for the last few weeks. And many of you are already taking that step of faith and you're getting out of your circle of comfort, and you're becoming more aware of the people around you. And you're becoming more and more aware of God's Holy Spirit that perhaps is nudging you in your heart and prompting you to go and talk to that person or go and get to know that person more. And as you do that, as you step out in faith, and as you are obedient to the Holy Spirit's prompting in your life, then I assure you, that God will definitely use you to help point people to Jesus. And that's what it's all about. As believers, as followers of Christ, that is our commission, that is our mandate, that we need to point people to Jesus. And then last Sunday, Major Debbie told us that we should be living uh, this um, 3D life. Any of you guys still have your, your 3D glasses? You do, huh? Doesn't look, this look pretty silly? Well, you guys looked pretty silly last week when you all were wearing it. But she challenged us to look through life 
with God-colored glasses, looking at life through God's perspective. And, he, and she said, walk across the room, people are people who live life in 3D. They constantly, constantly look for ways to, number one, develop friendships. When you walk across the room, when you get out of your circle of comfort, when you go into the zone of the unknown, people are looking for friendships. They're looking to be connected. And that is our mandate. Go. Walk across the room. Develop friendships. And as you do that, you listen to them. You discover their stories. And along the way, you do it again in concert with the Holy Spirit. Discern what the Holy Spirit is telling you and nudging you what to do. It's interesting. We've been talking about these concepts in our Ohana group. We have an Ohana group that meets on Monday evenings here at the Croc Center. And so we've kind of put out this form, not a formula, but some of the principles. Develop friendships, discover stories, discern appropriate next steps. And it all sounded like it was just everything would fall into place. If I do A, B, and C, then D would happen. But you know what? That's not the way it works. Because you know what? It doesn't always happen that way. These are just guidelines. And we studied and we watched the video of Bill Hybels, who wrote this book, and he tells the story of a friend of his that it took them eight years, eight years before he finally accepted the Lord. But Bill never gave up on him. And so I would encourage you to do that as you're seeking out people, as you're, as you're trying to develop new friendships. It doesn't happen overnight. But keep at it. Keep plugging away. Keep being intentional about it. Keep being prayerful about it. Keep being patient. Well, let's move on to this week's lesson. And this week's lesson is, is it's fairly simple. It's the power of story. So have you been thinking about your particular story? And this morning I'm going to share three stories. But I don't want to tell the story. It's a lot better if the person that story is about tells their own story. So we've captured three stories this morning in video format. And you're going to see it here. And the first story is by a good friend of mine. We call him Big Country. Country, because I suppose he's from somewhere in the country. North Shore. The North Country. All I know is that he likes the Tennessee Titans. I don't know why, but he does. We call, him, we call him Big because, well, he's big. But his name's Daniel. And he has a wonderful story. A story of how God has touched his life. So I'll stop talking. You just watch the story. I was um, born in Oregon. Moved here when I was two weeks old. My grandma passed away, and my and my dad, myself, and my brother, we got kicked out on the street because my dad was a drug addict. And I, I got involved. I got involved with uh, marijuana at a young age. Later on in life, I was in college. I started working for a company. Uh, they gave me a good job, and I ended up getting a DUI, and I lost my job. And my life started going downhill from there. I ended up living under a bridge down by a river with my dad again. As I was searching, rummaging through my dad's things, I found this purple Bible. It said life recovery on it. I said, what the heck? So I opened it. I read a few scriptures and none of it made any sense. It didn't make any sense at all. So, so I said, well, I'll pray. I'll pray. Let's just try this. God, 
helped me find a job. And uh, that was it. And I put the Bible down and life went on the same way it was going because I was still making bad decisions. And I heard about this Salvation Army uh, rehab center through someone I was doing the side jobs with. So I walked in and uh, um, I was greeted with an intake coordinator that was pretty stern and I was just entirely ready to do something different. I was given a Bible. I was given a purple Bible that said life recovery on it. The exact same type of Bible I found underneath the bridge. That night I open, opened the Bible and I looked down in it and I started reading scripture. I didn't know where I opened it to and it said, uh, Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the very first day you sought to gain understanding, I have come. I have come in answer of your prayer. And that freaked me out. I didn't know what to think and something came inside of me and overwhelmed me. And I, I came to tears and I went, went to my bedroom and tried to hide underneath my covers. And then I said to myself, you silly boy, you can't hide from God. Opened the Bible again and I realized I was in the book of Daniel. You know, the Holy Spirit just came in me. And, and, I, and I ended up praying a real prayer. I said, God, help me, help me hear you. And you speak to us in so many different ways. Help me hear you and open my heart to what you have to offer. And from there, I, I completed the program. And... Uh, I enrolled as a soldier for the Salvation Army Croc Center Church. This is where God put me, and this is where He wants me to be. Daniel, stand up. Let's give Daniel another hand. God bless you, Daniel. You know, stories... And the words used to tell them are, are very powerful. And so, as you continue to develop and nurture some of these new friendships, as you try to step out of your circle of comfort, as you get to know them better, I believe that God, God will open doors of opportunity. And I believe that eventually, as you're obedient to the Lord and, and, and uh, obedient to His Spirit, that eventually the conversation will turn to something spiritual. And you have to believe that. And someone in our Ohana group this past week asked this question, because we've been challenging them to, to, uh, to become active and to, to apply these things in their daily life and in their daily walk. And he says, you know, I've got to know this friend pretty well, and, and I feel that the Holy Spirit is telling me to talk to him about God. But I just don't know what to say. And I just... Don't know how to say it. And so at that point, how do we explain to someone who God is and what he has done in our life? You know, as followers of Christ, we often struggle to convey the heart of God's story, what Jesus did on the cross for us. And sometimes we even have a tough time telling others about the before and after difference that God has made in our lives. Because we don't always practice that. And sometimes when it comes to spiritual things or about religious things or church things, and someone may ask us a question, too often we, we, we either talk too much or we use fuzzy terminology or we use big Christianese words that confuses the listener. And sometimes when we speak, we may come across as being superior or or holier than thou. And obviously none of these approaches serves the cause of Christ very effectively. And we can certainly do better. 
But you know, the words, the words we choose to use when sharing God's story and when sharing our own faith stories can make a big difference in our interaction with someone who is far away from God. You see, when we speak words of life, when we speak words of encouragement, when we speak words of authenticity and, and, and of grace, we leave the other person with a, a deep desire to know more of this God that we know. And isn't that the goal for all of us? Well, we want to share another story. This is a story of a young lady named Jen, Jennifer. She's a talented, beautiful young lady who loves the Lord, who's actively serving him here at the Croc Center. Let's see what Jen has to share with us. So my grandma brought me to church when I was five years old, and I faithfully went for the next 15 years or so. And I went to college for design, and that's when I realized what my passion was, and it was just something that I was so good at. And I focused all my time and energy into developing my abilities um, in design, and that's when I really fell away from God because I was relying on my own strength, and um, I felt like I was doing all of this without Him, so I just fell away. And um, at the end of my college years, I, I remember sitting in my dorm and I just felt spiritually and physically empty because I knew that I had a void in my life that um, I was trying to fill with design and I realized that that hole was um, meant solely for God. When I was done with college, I went back home and I made a decision to uh, get serious about my relationship with Christ and to get back into church and get back into reading the Word. and. Um, that's when the Lord gave me a chance to redeem my passion by giving me an opportunity to design within the church. And God's just always been so faithful to me through my journey. And I want to share him with others. And I'd love to be one of those people who can just go up to somebody and evangelize. But that's just not my gift. But it's through design, through this art form, that God has given me a voice for him. Is, uh, is Jen here? I know Jen was here at our 8 o'clock service. I think she's probably out helping with the youth. But uh, Jen has a wonderful testimony, and uh, Jen has actually responded uh, to the call of God in her life, and she'll soon be entering the, uh, the Salvation Army School for Officers training in August to become a Salvation Army officer. So regardless, regardless whether you have the gift of evangelism or not, regardless if you are an extrovert or an introvert, I believe that all Christ followers can be prepared to engage people in spiritual conversations and to do what they can to, again, point people towards faith in God. But when a conversation does take a spiritual turn, it's, it's critical, it's, it's so critical to know how to convey two stories. Your own faith story, and hopefully you've been thinking about your own faith story, as well as God's good news story. And we need to make sure, and you've seen these two testimonies, 
But these testimonies, they weren't talking about themselves per se. They weren't lifting themselves up. They were talking about the God that was working in their lives and in their midst. And so when we share these stories, whether we're sharing God's story or whether we're sharing our own story, it must be done with a sense of humility and clarity and brevity. But you know, God has a story as well. And we, as followers of Christ, we need to learn to tell it well. We need to know the story ourselves. And we need to know the story so well that we're able to tell it and share it with others. So I'm going to give you a real simple example. And anybody can do this. In your bulletins, you have a little white index card. And I believe pencils were handed out as well. If you want to take that out. It's a real simple exercise, and anybody can do it. But the next time you find yourself in a conversation where the person you're talking to really does want to know or understand more about who God is and what he's done in their life, and if they're still searching and seeking, and maybe you've developed a friendship or a relationship with them, and maybe they're at a low point in their life, and they're just really seeking and searching, and they know that you have something that they don't have, And we know what it is, but they don't know what it is. Try this. Grab a piece of scratch paper or a napkin at Zippy's or wherever you're at and ask their permission to sketch out this picture. And here's how it goes. And I'm going to tell you God's story. And you can do the exact same thing. And it'll probably take me less than a minute to do that. And anybody can do that. I'm not an artist, but I'm going to try to draw something up here. So we start the story very simply. There's two entities here. One is people, that's you and me, and the other one is God. Quite simple. People on one side, God on the other side. But yet there's this big chasm, this big gap, this big divide that separates people from God. And that gap is put there by the people. Because people, all people, have a tendency. They have a tendency to go against God's way, against God's plan for their life. Because they want to do their own thing. We can all relate to that. And because of that, there's this huge chasm. And the Bible calls that sin. He said, the Bible says, for all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. So there's a big gap between us. And so people try to reach God. We try to do things. We try to be more religious. We go to church. We try to do the right thing. We donate money. We try, we try, we try, but everything we do falls short. We can never reach God. Now some people say, well, I'm not that bad. Well, it's true. You're not that bad. So you may not be as bad as this guy, but even if you're better than him, you still fall short of the glory of God. And so mankind, people, we're in a dilemma. We're separated by God, by our own sin. But because we have a loving, a loving and a gracious God, he builds a bridge. He builds a bridge. And that bridge 
It's His Son, Jesus Christ. You see, all of our attempts to try to reach God falls short. And there's no way, there's no way we can, we can bridge that gap. But God, His infinite love and mercy, has bridged the gap by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. And there it is. Very simple. You can draw that as easily as I have drawn that. And so if you remember nothing, if you remember nothing else about this illustration, remember this, that Christ, Jesus Christ, came to earth to be our bridge. And whoever makes the decision to cross the bridge will live with God forever. So Jesus says, I've provided the way. All you have to do is walk across the bridge. Whoever wants to walk across the bridge, I welcome you. The Apostle John put it this way. In John chapter 5, verse 24, he says, I tell you the truth. Whoever heard my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. You see, I was able to tell God's story in just a very brief amount of time, and everybody understood it. And you can do the same thing. And there's so many other ways, there's so many other illustrations, there's so many other simple stories that you can use to tell God's story of his love for people. So we need to know that and learn that. And it's important again, and I repeat this, that, that whenever we share these words, whenever we share God's story, again, that we do it with gentleness and humility and grace. And always remember that you are not responsible for changing anybody's life. You are not responsible for transforming a human heart. That is the role of God, the Holy Spirit. Your role is to simply open your mouth and give a thoughtful, clear, and passionate understanding of who God is and what he's done for each and every person on this planet. And that's all. That's all you have to do. Nothing more, nothing less. So tell God's story. Tell God's story and learn to tell it well. And then lastly this morning, not only does God have a story, but you have a story as well. And I hope that you've been thinking about your particular story. You have a story as well, and it's a powerful story. And your job is to learn how to tell it well. Do you believe what I just said? That you have a powerful story to tell? Because you do, whether you realize it or not. That if you've come into a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, then you have a wonderful, redemptive story to tell. And let me tell you why. Because regardless of how old you were when you came to faith, hopefully you were different before Christ than you are now, after Christ has become a part of your life and filled your life with things like grace and mercy and love. We should be able to realize that and to capture that story. Let me share with you one more story. This is a man that probably most of you meet every single Sunday if you come here to church at the Croc Center. 
He's one of our ushers and greeters. His name is Bruce, and he always greets you with, Good morning, my friend. And uh, watch and listen to Bruce's story. My uh, mom and dad were uh, a wonderful Christian family. I was an only child. And they moved to Hawaii when I graduated from high school. I stayed in California, and I felt so independent. I kind of fell away from my relationship with the Lord. And I started to think I had all the answers, and I was in charge, and I could do anything I wanted. Well, fast forward when I'm late 30s, and I'm discovering that my life is kind of a mess. And... um, I got a call from my mom one day, and she said, you'll never guess what happened. She said, your dad had a profound dream last night. It was such a profound dream that he's told me this morning that we're going to sell everything and we're moving back to California. And they were back about a few months, and my dad went in for just a regular physical. And it turned out that he had lymphoma and leukemia. And the doctor said, you've only got a few years to live. So I came and visited my parents like every weekend for the next four years. And the interesting thing is my dad was never afraid of dying. A few years later, I got the call that I dreaded. My mom said, Bruce, you need to come. So I jumped in my car and it was three hours away. I drove like a maniac. I just cried the entire way. And then I got mad. I was so angry. I was yelling and screaming at God. How could you do this to my dad? How could you do this to me? When I got close to their turnoff, I I just started thinking how my dad was never like this. He never ranted and raved. He never got angry. And I just felt, I felt so embarrassed. And I just started praying, please, please take me back. Please save me once again. I am so sorry. I really am, Father God. And I got to the house and I ran in and my mom said, he's in there. And and I yelled, Dad, I'm here. And I could see his eyes flicker open a little bit. And I rushed him and I hugged him. And I I told him how much I loved him and how how, how proud of him I was. and, And what a difference he'd made in my life. He patted me on the back and then he just died. And honestly, that was the most profound moment of my entire life. My dad didn't have any idea that he was sick, but I feel strongly that the Lord knew, and he told my dad, you get to California, and you come and see your son, and you be with him. And he used my dad to bring me back to the Lord, who I had left, and he used me to be there for my mom when she needed me the very most. And for that, I will always be eternally grateful. And I just praise God for the second chance, for the new beginning. Bruce, Bruce is right here. Bruce, stand up. Thank you, Bruce. Thanks for sharing your story. Bruce, Daniel, Jen. Three different individuals, three different stories, but all filled with God's love, 
mercy, and grace. And so I ask you this morning again, what's your story? What's your story? How has God intervened in your life? And are you able to capture that? Are you able to articulate that? You know, as a takeaway today, I want you to be able to to write your story, to articulate your story, and obviously to share your story as well. And to be able to share that with, with, with others, the difference that God has made in your life. What drew you towards Jesus Christ? What were you like before and what are you like now after coming to faith in him? So I would challenge you to do that. Maybe you've already done it before and that's great. Maybe you can polish it up. But you know what? I want to hear your story. I want to hear your story. So I put my email up there and I'm going to challenge you. If you can write your story this week, and here's the tough part. Can you do it in 100 words or less? It's not easy. When you send something out on Twitter, you only get 140 characters. I'm giving you 100 words. But I'd like you to share your story. Not just for my benefit, but mainly for your benefit. That you're able to organize it and, and put it in such a fashion that you can, you can know it and, you can then, and then you can share it with others. And then so you won't be fumbling around or not sure what to say when someone comes up and actually asks you, well, tell me about yourself. Why are you so happy? Why are you so joyful? Why are you so peaceful? Why are you so content in the midst of all this chaos? There's something different about you. What is it? Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that is in you. So that's my challenge to you today, to think about your story, but not just to think about it, but go home, write it down, think it through, and then send it to me. Well, as we come to a conclusion this morning, people, people need the Lord now more than any time. You know, we went to this hymn conference, and I learned some things, um, <clears throat> some surprising things. And some of the things I learned was this. Listen to this statistic. 50% of young people who attend church will stop attending once they turn 18. That's a staggering figure. Here's something else I learned. Atheism. Atheism worldwide is growing more rapidly than Christianity. Church attendance is declining in just about every state of the union. People need the Lord. There's people that are hurting, that are broken, that are sick. There are wars and rumor of wars and atrocities, and we see it every day in the headlines. And what's the solution? People need the Lord.